morning, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Thanks so much for joining me again today on this chapter day journey. We're in Genesis 37, and it was verse 3 that resonated with me this morning. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. Today's podcast is entitled, Favorites. Years ago, I was giving a message, and I pointed out in my message that one of the recurring themes of the great story is the fact that God continually uses the youngest, the weakest, the least to be his chosen vessel. I mean, we've already seen it in all three generations of Abraham's family. We'll see it again in the likes of David and Solomon, Samuel, Mary, and Jesus' disciples. So after the message, I was asked by a listener if I believed that God plays favorites and that he believed this is exactly what I was saying. It was a question that required far more conversation than the few seconds we had to exchange words. And it felt to me at the time as if my words might have picked at a relational scab in the listener. You know, along my journey, I've observed many ways that favoritism wreaks havoc on family systems and the individuals within. Favoritism is not only insidious when it's directly and blatantly practiced by a parent, like Israel in today's chapter, but I've seen it be just as insidious when it is unjustly perceived and projected onto a parent by a child. And the larger and more complex the family system I mean, for example, you mix in step-parents and step-siblings, the greater the likelihood for favoritism or perceived favoritism to germinate and take root. Jacob, also known as Israel, had a family system in which favoritism had already taken root and borne fruit. It's been present in three generations of his family. Abraham and Sarah favored Isaac over Ishmael. Isaac favored Esau, and Rebekah favored Jacob. I've observed that once favoritism is present in a family system, it easily passes down to subsequent generations. You know, we're told directly in today's chapter that Jacob favored Joseph because he was born to him in old age, but I think there's more to the story than that. Jacob loved Rachel, and he was deceived into marrying Leah as well. And I believe that the fact that Joseph was the first child born to Rachel after years of being childless, well, it just added to the mix of Jacob's favoritism cocktail. The fascinating thing about it is God is using Jacob's favoritism for his own purposes. Joseph's dreams are a foreshadowing of the very thing God is going to do through Joseph in order to ultimately save his father and brothers. So does that mean that God plays favorites? My answer to that is no not in the way we as humans perceive it and experience it. I believe that it's easy to project onto my heavenly father the heart and soul wounds of favoritism that I may have experienced in my own family systems. God continued to use the theme of using the youngest and the weakest and least throughout the great story in order to remind me of the truth that the kingdom of God does not operate like the kingdoms and the broken families of this world in which power and wealth and ability and popularity and influence and status and fame are highly favored. 
Again and again, God reminds me that his kingdom works differently. Isaiah 55, 8-9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty five, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from who? The wise and the learned, the favored, <laughs> and have revealed them to little children, weak and with no status. In Matthew 18, 1 through 3, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child in and placed the child among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, Paul says that God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And let me give you this paraphrase from 1 Corinthians 12. But in fact, God has placed members in God's family, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one member, where would the family be? As it is, there are many members, but there's one family. The oldest can't say to the youngest, I don't need you. And the youngest cannot say to another sibling, I don't need you. On the contrary, those members of the family that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the members of the family that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the members of the family that are unpresentable are treated with, with modesty, while our presentable members of the family need no special treatment. But God has put the family together, giving greater honor to the family members that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the family but that its members should have equal concern for each other. So in the quiet this morning, I find myself reminded that I have a role to play in God's kingdom, in God's family. It's not better or worse than any others. My gifts and callings are an indispensable part of the whole in God's family and kingdom. If I consider them better or worse, more or less favorable than others, well then I am mistaking human ways with God's ways. I hope you have a great day, my friend. We'll see you back here tomorrow.